Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1986's Shopping Mall, written and directed by Jim Wynowski and produced by Julie Carmen. Uh, daughter of Roger, focuses on three high-tech security robots turning maniacal and killing teenage employees inside a shopping mall after dark. And who boy, is it something. So <laughs> we decided that we could not take this uh, classic of American cinema on alone. So guesting here with us tonight, uh, first we have returning guest Sean Rosado. Hello, hello, hello. Tonight, playing Sean Rosado will be a live Sasquatch wearing a toupee. Let's see if our hosts notice. And joining us from the horror movie podcast, a podcast of Amontillado, is Gary Mitchell. Greetings. Salutations. Congratulations on the name of your podcast, by the way. That is... <laughs> Thank yes, you. That is, uh, it's, in, the, in the world of punsmanship, we refer to that as uh, 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag, and it's fantastic. Fantastic. So, so thumbs up for me on that one. Podcast of Montiago. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's like Jessa, the the my my lovely fiance and overlord of Good to Be a Geek, was like, you should do a horror podcast. I'm like, okay. And what do I call it? And I thought about it for a minute, and that came to me. I'm like, well, there's no way that hasn't been taken. Holy crap, it's not been taken. There you go. <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta just pluck it right from the tree and shine it up on your breast and take a bite. That's that is fantastic. Exactly. Take it. And run Run with it. Yes, it's true. Now, before before we get into the movie, last weekend I went to a variety show called Kevin Geeks Out, and when I went there, I was alerted to this quote from C.S. Lewis's *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* uh, about when the Pevensey children first view Aslan. Uh, the quote is: "People who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible." At the same time. And uh, I thought, shopping mall. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, on this particular viewing, I actually was sitting there watching the movie thinking like, is this like, it's like a, is this a good movie? No. But it's a, but it's an awesome movie, you know? And I, and and it's got, it's got a lot of charm in ways that are surprising you know, like mm-hmm. it's got a sense of humor about itself, and the robots are awesome, man. The robots are amazing. They're the really the reason to watch the the movie. The, they are wonderfully designed. They work really well. Right, right. They they look like they work well. It's like I can buy these as top of the line nineteen eighty six technology. Right. Yeah, yeah, I totally buy it. It was, you know, obviously the entire plot of the movie was based on the robots and I feel like they they put the money where it belonged, which was into the robots because anytime those robots are on camera, magic. Well, I mean, if we're going to be completely fair, Mike, uh we really have to sit here and go the, they got the entire plot of the movie from Short Circuit and said, "What if we made him a psychopath?" Yeah. 
and, and he had two twin brothers, and they looked like Alpha Five from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mean, well, <laughs> to be fair, Johnny Five had what three or six? Four. Brothers? He was he was number five, so right. he had four brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and well, in the original title, of the movie was Killbots. Yeah. So, I mean, that it. I I wish they kind of stuck with that title because that gives you what we're here for. <laughs> it's true. It's funny, like Chopping Mall is a really good name for like a like a almost like a Michael Myers style film set in a shopping mall. But mm-hmm. you're right, Killbots is is the headline. The VHS box for this movie makes it look like a slasher. It does. It absolutely does. There's like a metal gauntlet and it's holding a shopping bag and there are body parts that are. I mean, it looks like somebody who is wearing some kind of medieval armor. Something that you would see, you know, from like the Dark Ages that that has taken somebody over some kind of demonic creature and they have just slashed people up inside of a mall. And I'm like, when I saw that cover, I'm like, I will never watch this. It is too terrifying. And then one day I saw Chopping Mall and I'm like, where's the psycho that's chopping people up? Not a single chop happens the entire movie. (laughs) Not one chop. And it's glorious for the fact that it didn't even try to live up to the title of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just it's like a better pun maybe but that's about it right you're well and there are, there is sort of a weird history of movies sort of like marketing themselves right. in a couple of different ways to just sort of like ah we'll get people through the door mm-hmm. so you know weird weird name choice aside yeah there it's it's got it's one of those movies that so i i was seriously I, i'm not a horror movie guy almost at all Mm-hmm. I was I was severely adverse to horror movies because the very first horror movie that I ever watched was I was like, you know, nine or ten years old and fucking Friday the 13th was just like on on HBO in the middle of the day on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so without like a lot of real parental supervision, I just sort of watched it and it scared the living fuck out of me at you know 10 whatever i was nine or ten and like i never i think it was probably 30 years before i went back to that well to like to to watch you know maybe you know i would see stuff inter 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 but like the 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 typical trope of the horror movie is very effective on me because i've experienced it at nine and was never able to forget it so even though uh, Chopping Mall is an awesome movie, it's not one that I ever saw or ever heard of until a couple of years ago. And I, it, so, you know, as I watch it, I'm like, yeah, I, I, that was my, the thing that I left with this time. I was like, wow, this is like a much better movie than it, <laughs> than it has any goddamn right to be, you know? Well, you think the, the main things to keep in mind about that, though, is, you know, this did come out in the height of 80s horror. And when you think of 80s horror, that's your slashers. That's your Jason. That's your Freddy. That's your right. the burning. You have some weirdo with a sharp implement sticking it into teenagers. It may or may not include uh, Bond one-liners as they do so. Right. That <laughs> and, was really left to like one character. If we're being completely fair, very few characters got that biffy over time. Right. But so that was, I mean, and they've even said that that was the main reason for the change is that they, the studio knew it would put more butts in seats because they were riding that wave of, okay, well, everybody wants to see slashers. Well, like them think it's slashers. And when they go in, they just get, you know, awesome robots and, but, and people still die. So, I mean, you, you don't feel cheated. Like the one that I always think of, there was one from the mid eighties called screamers 
which had a v- similar lying VHS box. The VHS box, if you look it up on Google, is a guy who's been skinned screaming <laughs> at you. That scene is nowhere in that movie. And you watch that movie and you feel robbed. I did not, I did not feel robbed when I watched Chopping Mall. Right. Well, you, well, you wouldn't because it's it's like a slasher movie with the addition of awesome killer fucking robots. Like that's that's a win win. That's a that's a recipe for good times right there. It's a brisk seventy seven minutes. Thing moves. It's quick. <laughs> it boogies, man. That shit is done, and it and it's perfect. It's all you. It's all you really need. They fight the robots, take a couple casualties. You see some bare breasts. Some some bare breasts. There are a lot of it for for eighties. Like normally for an eighties movie, you get like a pair of breasts and then you're out. Like that's all they need. But like this one, they're like, oh no, you're going to see lots of breasts and we're going to linger on them. And <laughs> yeah, if there is a female main character in this film, you are going to see nipple. <laughs> I think except for Kelly Maroney. I think Kelly Maroney is the only one who didn't get. Yeah, that. she just makes out with the nerd boy. She doesn't right. actually. That was like page one of their contract. First first thing. Right. <laughs> Check this box. Will you take your shirt off? But you, you know, it's funny, Michael. You were talking about the first horror movie you ever saw, and I'm just going to give Gary's podcast a plug. Gary knows the first horror movie I ever saw, and he knows how much it traumatized me, and it made me into a horror fan, too. Um, and I've told this story numerous times, and to try to fit it in a chopping mall would not do it justice. But if you're curious about it, you should definitely go check out Gary's podcast because people have heard the story before, but they've never heard it with somebody who had not experienced it for the first time. So Gary had the brilliant idea of saying, my co-host has never heard your story. Tell her. And I've been telling folks, you should go check out my buddy's podcast. You can hear the first time I ever saw a horror movie, which, which happened to be night of living dead. And I'm like, well, it can't be that messed up. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 go check it out. And I've at least put 10 people on that podcast. So like, Holy crap, you are not underselling that story. I listened to that episode and it lives up to the hype. I'm going to put a link to that specific episode in the show notes, because that's Sean's story. It is too long to kind of repeat here, but it is delightful. My my one hour podcast turned into two parters, one hour each. <laughs> What's funny about that though is that I also realized that horror movies were the fastest, easiest place for me to see boobs as a kid too. Oh right? yeah, sure. So yeah. like uh, horror movies was like it was all the things that I'm not supposed to experience, you know, as like a nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen year old kid, right? You know, it's got language, it's got titillating violence, it's got actual breasts you know sometimes you know it's got male nudity sometimes it's got female nudity but it's going to always push the boundaries of what you would consider good taste and when you're a kid that's what you're interested in everybody's trying to protect you from it but it's like you want to see that so horror mm-hmm. movies especially in the 80s i would just walk around the vhs aisles and i'm like i wonder what kind of craziness is in this you know right. movie that i see and chopping mall was always one of those where i was like this looks like it's going to be too gory and i'm so stupid like i, I saw it when i was like 17 and i was like this was not the hype of the vhs tape, uh, uh, cover um at all no yeah and i want to say it's actually pretty fun mike because your story is i hear this from horror fans a lot it people's reactions tend to be just like yours they run into horror at too young of an age and either yep. like you they run screaming 
and never go back, or they are like me and Sean and go, where do I get more of this? How do I inject this into my, how do I inject this into my face? Yeah, that is not the way that my DNA is written at all. I was like, no, thank you. Back to my Weird Al Yankovic records. I'm going to skip this Nature Trail to Hell song, though. That's a little too much. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) When was the first time you actually watched Shopping Mall? Oh, uh. Probably about a maybe within the last two years with our friend Liam Gray. We just we were watching. Okay, so not not nearly the same reaction. You're like, okay. I'm oh yeah, okay. yeah. But, but I I went through a, a I got into horror movies in my maybe my mid twenties. They okay. the 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 sort of like the spell had sort of been dispelled. I was you know I wasn't afraid mm-hmm. of it. I was able to watch them through like more of a laughing lens. And then I watched, and then I watched them all. I watched everything from Hotel Hell to Pumpkinhead to <laughs> Amityville and, you know, Hills Have Eyes and everything mm-hmm. and kind of like built up my tolerance. So by the time I actually watched Chopping Mall, I was like, no, no, this is, this is just awesome. This has a sex party in the furniture <laughs> store. <laughs> in a furniture store. It's so good. You know, that, that we have a couple of horror folks in here. I have a question for you. Sure. So the tropes of 80s slasher horror movies, like if you have sex, you die, all the stuff yes. they point out and scream. Mm-hmm. At what point did horror become sort of self-aware of these tropes? Probably, I'm sure Sean has his answer, but for me, horror started to kind of realize what it was, at least 80s horror started to realize what it was turning into right around the time of this movie, right around 86, 87, because you, you need to get a bunch out for a trope to kind of def- to to build itself. Right. So you really kind of need a few of them to come out. Um and right, that right. was one of the glories of the VHS era of of the 80s horror and early 90s is people could start just cranking out horror movies and you know Friday the 13th and all the imitators, you know Sleepaway Camp all those just kind of laid that template. I mentioned the burning earlier of, you know, teenagers, sex, death. Yeah. It's really wild to think about how much that was the undercurrent of horror in the eighties. It was all guy, like we said earlier, guys with masks and sharp objects mm-hmm. because it's cheap. You get a bunch of no name teenage actors or early twenties pretend to be teenagers. You get a remote location. You spend a weekend banging out a script. You spend, you know, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars, and you—if you do it right, then you get Friday the Thirteenth, which that series Paramount has come out and said the only reason Paramount survived the '80s is they put out a prestige picture, then they put out a Friday the Thirteenth picture to pay for next year's prestige movie. It's true, and I mean, when you're really looking at what horror did, especially in the '80s, it allowed filmmakers to just go on a shoestring budget, try out an idea. And if they could make money there, then the studios would give them more money if they wanted to move away from horror. You could never really develop horror as its own entity because people always considered it lowbrow in the 80s. Um, and, it, and it's funny because, you know, I always kind of look at when did horror become self-aware enough to become funny? And the thing about horror is that humor has always been hand in hand because you can go back to the earliest days and see that. I mean, hell, you can go back to Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you really start to look at things like, you know, Night of the Demons, which was like 1988, um, that was a movie that was very self-aware, that it was going to be gory as hell. And the only way people were going to take this level of gore was to make it just 
gut-bustingly funny, you know, um, with just terrible puns and whatnot. Right. But I think when they became self-aware, even though Scream is the one who kind of walks away with the title, Popcorn, I think, in 1990, is one of those that really figured out, oh, I'm self-aware enough to know that we're, we're film students who know the tropes of films who then get taken out by somebody who's trying to recreate horror films. Um, but they're more familiar with like the 50s tropes and the 60s tropes, whereas Scream was familiar with the 80s slasher tropes. And just that difference of six, seven years from production A to production B, you, you have a, a quantum leap, so to speak, um, in that self-awareness from the slasher genre. Um, but I would put it in that mm -hmm. area, the 88 to 90 or so range. Well, you can also even say for me, like Ground Zero is going back to the one that started well the one that started all is halloween let's get that out of the way but the friday the 13th right. is what they call the trope codifier it's the one that made everybody realize what these tropes are and part mm -hmm. six jason lives was 86 it's my favorite of the franchise because it's the first one that kind of goes yeah we know why we're here we know you know yep. you know that we know so we're gonna have fun with it right but that was also the movie where jason finally had the audacity to kill yes. children like, like 12 year old kids um and like one of the kids is like what do you think was he goes well who what do you think you what's gonna happen he goes we're meat we're dead meat and then he goes and then he literally looks at his buddy and he says what did you want to be when you grow up yeah I mean, it's like such a great line. I got to say, like, as someone who doesn't really uh, define themselves as a horror fan, but does define themselves as a movie fan, what I like about horror movies is kind of what you were saying, Gary, is every so often someone with not a lot of money can go off and do something really inventive mm -hmm. and change the game. And I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, back to like Romero's Night of the Living Dead or, you know, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell going into the woods for four months and you get the evil dead out of that, which is one of my favorite movies uh, up to Blair Witch Project. And Chopping Mall is not one of those movies. It's not. But, you know, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> the most recent version of that actually is the Terrifier 2, which I don't know if you know yeah. about Damien Leone, but Damien Leone did a movie a number of years ago called The Terrifier, which was like his third or fourth film that featured this really weird clown called Art the Clown. And it's just about a clown that if he decides he's going to kill you, he's going to kill you. Um, and it is just a messed up movie. It, it's a movie that's so messed up. It has something called The Scene. And Michael, I promise you, if you saw this when you were 19, 17, you would have been so messed up. It probably would have pushed you off of horror for like another decade. Okay. Sure. Like, yeah. I don't want that. Right. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so that, that scene is so infamous that it is so uncomfortable to watch. You instinctively laugh because you don't know what else to do. Because that's kind of what I showed it to a friend of mine who has seen literally the horrors of war. He has seen his buddies go through just horrible, horrible accidents, all kinds of stuff. And he's like, nothing shakes me in horror movies. And he even had that uncomfortable laughter in this scene. So Leone got a chance to make a sequel to it. And he fundraised it um, on Kickstarter, got like $150,000, picked up another $250,000, $300,000 in uh, subsequent funding. Basically half a million dollars made this flick. It has for the last four weeks as of this recording been in the top 10 movies around America in only like 300 theaters. Whereas other mm -hmm. places are, you know, they're, they're struggling for number seven or number six at 3000 theaters. Um, and he has been crushing it. And uh, it's just truly amazing what he's been able to do with what is equivalent of a shoestring budget. Cause let's be fair, 500 grand is nothing. For yeah. a movie. No. I think that was the hairspray budget on Chopping Mall. 
I mean, seriously, right? Like it's it's incredible. Yeah. So and it seems to be really easy to do that with horror. And like you were saying, uh, Kevin, it's like you don't hear, you know, a lot of I'm it's it's happened, but you don't hear a very a, a lot of I made this weird period romance <laughs> and suddenly on on a thousand dollars and suddenly it's the number one movie of the year. Whereas you get Blair Witch Project, which I think it was until Terrifier just broke the record of the profit to cost record ratio. Well, it's funny because, you know, there is a similar thing with like low budget comedies, but comedy, I feel like you got to have balls to try to make a comedy like with a, with a horror movie. It can be dark and scary and you can scream and run around, but trying to make a comedy. I always whenever I every now and then I sit down and I watch Clerks. And I can't believe that Clerks is as good as it is, considering that it's just a group of friends. Like it's the that's the the age old story. It's a group of friends who make this low budget comedy that is actually pretty goddamn funny and like and and like is re is watchable thirty years later. So I think you get that a lot less with comedy. It's 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 you if you find the right people, I'm sure you can do it, but it's. God, it doesn't seem like it works very often. Well, yeah, and it's it's good, funny that you say that too because comedy is one of the genres that ages the worst. It usually does not hold up past five, ten years. It's you know humor, right, the changes. humor changes, even just the way right. people yeah. talk changes. But yeah. horror and comedy are also incredibly linked in that they're both based on very similar setups it's all about timing it's all about the gag the gag either being the humor or the axe in the face it's so there's that's why there's a horror comedy can usually really really do well um if you can get that tone right and if you can match those two like trucker nail versus evil right well the 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 in either case in a horror movie, the the premise is usually so stupid and ridiculous that it's edging right up against comedy anyway. Right. So if you just take a wink at it, I mean, it's certainly been done the wrong way, but I've seen it done the right way. And it's, yeah. Well, I think with horror, too, especially when you look at old horror movies, the ones that worked really well for their time are working more on subtext than comedy is. So you, you can watch something and be like, you know, invasion of the body snatchers. And you're like, well, this is because people are afraid of communism. Mm-hmm. Right. Or this, this is because people are afraid of nuclear war. Whereas with comedy, there's generally not that undercurrent, but the horror stuff, because it's subtext, it can still work after the fact. And you can kind of view it with this kind of lens of, you know, even chopping mall or you know, probably a better example is Dawn of the dead um, yes. <laughs> going on. Uh, as a critique of consumerism at the time. Although that is, to tie it back to our topic, <laughs> as that was one of the reasons Chopping Mall did kind of stand out and did and has maintained is, especially in Europe, apparently, it got a lot of positive comments from critical community on a critique of consumerism. It's not the way the strength of is Dawn of the Dead is, which is a much more powerful movie. But this, I mean, for 77 minutes with teenagers and boobs, yeah, sure. Give me a message on consumerism. No one in Dawn of the Dead says, let's go send those fuckers a Rambo Graham. Yes, God, I love that line. <laughs> That's, that, is, that is true. Like, it's, it, it, I also noticed that there's a little bit of a shared spirit. What year did the original Robocop come out? 87. Yeah. Does it feel like there's a similar kind of nod going on, like where, you know, you just rely on the computers and, and mm-hmm. there's like this sort of a nod to, yeah, we'll we'll take care of it, but suddenly we'll... 
I don't know what is a lightning strike. The yeah, it's a lightning strike. Lightning right. strike. I love that. I love the idea of a lightning strike, and all of a sudden the, the robots are like, "All right, let's." Uh, Here's your problem. Someone took the I switch think- to evil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's some of that. I think RoboCop is more explicitly about uh, Reaganomics. Oh yeah, I, I think Chopping Mall. The, the it's kudos in Europe notwithstanding. I don't think it had a lot of lofty ambitions as a social satire. It paints with a broader brush stroke, is what you're saying, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that if you look at Dawn of the Dead as being a uh, a commentary on consumerism in general, capitalism in general, um, that's one thing. If you're looking at RoboCop as being uh, a commentary on capitalism run among, that's another thing. You look at Chopping Mall, and Chopping Mall is about the the mall rats who just don't want to leave they don't necessarily want to spend but they're just the vapid people who have become just attached to this location this location that they identify themselves with you know and and Mm -hmm. i i think that's closer to what shopping mall is really satirizing which is like you know hey me and my friends we're going to get together and we're all going to screw around where are we going to go to the furniture uh uh, place oh of course the furniture place that that makes total sense lots of free beds to just (laughs) boink around in sure i mean what are you high like that is a terrible idea don't you You people have homes (laughs) yeah like seriously like go rent a damn hotel room already what the heck is wrong with you yeah, but you see, you have to pay for a hotel room. Right. The mall, they get to stay there for free. But at what cost? <laughs> yeah, at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> yeah, and I do have to say, I think that the, at least the four of us are old enough to remember mall oh, culture. Yeah. Right. If you were not, if you were too late for mall culture, hello, millennials, welcome aboard. Back pain is coming for you. Um, the mall culture was a thing. Oh, yeah. It was where it was, you know, if you're a broke teenager, I mean, when someone else i heard someone talking about this we don't really have public spaces for people to hang out anymore yeah the mall was it i mean it was it was your social circles all hung out there you had jobs there and if you didn't have money you could just hang out in the food court and eat the free samples and no one expected you to have to buy anything and now that's kind of gone right like even growing up as a rebellious punk rocker you still went to the mall because that's where the people were that's why i think one of the strongest parts of the movie is that opening montage of life in the mall yeah okay first off that was not life in the mall i never saw beauty contestants going down an escalator in their freaking bikinis ever (laughs) i would have gone to that mall a lot more you had to go on tuesdays you had to go on bikini day I will tell you, I don't know if you guys know this. I live in L.A. now. (laughs) And in L.A., it's all beauty queens and bikinis walking through the mall, down the escalator all day long. Tom Petty off there in the background. I can put that right to sleep. (laughs) I I spend a lot of time in the mall. (laughs) I took that opening montage as the mall has run amok. And we need to do something. There's people skateboarding Mm -hmm. in the mall. Oh, yeah. There's people acting a fool in the food court yeah that poor lady she made it so far and then wipe out i did feel like that montage needed a pop Mm. song and it didn't have one um because i I kept comparing it in my head to the opening of fast times at ridgemont high and i was like the opening of fast times is so much better than this um but well, but you're, but it's funny. You're right. I, that you definitely could frame it that way is that, yeah, like things are, there's a, there's an unruliness in the mall. That's why they need robo security. That's why they need robo security. Huh. 
damn kevin always coming in with the with the with the nuanced interpretation of things how great is mary warrenoff in the scene where they're introducing the robots snarking about them. well i mean for like three seconds that she's yes. in it but wasn't the joke supposed to be she was supposed to re- be uh reprising her character from the um where they, where, where they were cooking where they were the restaurant they were cooking people yeah eating raul i think yeah that was definitely why they were hired for that scene <laughs> yeah they were reprising that role yeah <laughs> that was the in joke there and it was weird watching her in it after having just watched the todd haynes velvet underground documentary because she's all over that velvet underground documentary so i was just like i remember i've just watched her talking about lou reed wow. and how much she hates frank zappa her and the guy i mean that's it that oh, that sequence which is it's a great sequence does it in it as it introduces us to the robots and their capabilities but it almost does feel like a whole separate movie mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in the day <laughs> yeah it, it's in the day it has all these characters that we never see again <laughs> ever <laughs> it's like we got to get through this exposition somehow how can we make it entertaining yeah, yeah it's like well how do the robots know not to come after you well, we have id cards yeah just such a weird intro i mean honestly that yeah. movie could have started with oh we're i mean they could have literally gone straight to hey we're starting a new security system tonight cool make sure the robots are doing fine all right cool you know and, and then just have the chaos started you, you honestly didn't need that intro i, I feel like it was a a, a, a dump position mm-hmm. um and they honestly didn't need it i think it actually slowed the the pacing of the rest of the film down um, because that movie moved. He needed to get it down to 67 minutes. <laughs> 67. Yeah, that, that leads to a point I wanted to make when I was watching this. I was like, how is a movie movie that moves this fast have so many scenes where it feels like it's going so slow? Because there are yep. points in this movie where it just grinds to a halt. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. It's been 47 minutes. <laughs> but how did we get to 47 minutes? <laughs> It, you know, because that opening bit drags. There's the the bit when they're all hiding in the where the girls worked in that restaurant. I mean, there are points for this movie right. where, like, we only have like, like we said, sixty minutes. Why are we slowing down? Oh, right, we only have four victims. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Because also, don't forget, uh, Dick Miller gets killed. You know, so oh, we also true. killed Dick Miller. And um, uh, what's his name? The actual uh, scientist that that was. Oh, the the secure the two security bozos. No, no, no. The um, the one who was actually running the machines and he was looking at the uh, porno mag and the, the robot rips out his spine. Yeah. Yeah. Him and his replacement, which what did the robots do with the body of the first guy? I don't know. They're smart. They figured something out. So speaking of somebody brought up the skateboarding, yes. little kid yes. skating through the mall. Every kid's uh, fantasy. Every yep. shopping mall in the U.S. <laughs> has a some interesting little uh, obstacle in the middle of the mall that every kid walks by and dreams of skating and uh that kid got to realize his dream he skated through the through the crowd of uh bikini clad uh uh beauty queens and and into our hearts yes how do you do mike again you know i love it when it's just a kid with a skateboard who like he he got his licks in he did a couple of little turn moves and yeah it was pretty great I uh yeah I always I have a deep affection for any time like a little kid is like an extra and they're like all right you're gonna skate through and the kid the kid uh showed what he 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 showed us what he got and it was great um I it made me think a lot about every time I visited a different shopping mall as a teenager and of course there was always like some stairs and a handrail and I was like oh 
I'm going to imagine that the mall is closed and I am skating through it. And uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of, there was a lot, a lot of exposition in that, that simple moment of the kids skating through the mall. I do, I do want to give a shout out to probably my favorite bit of movie magic in this film is when Barbara Crampton gets her head blown off. Barbara Crampton didn't get her head blown off. That was, um, oh, that was the other lady. Barbara Crampton got burned to death. Oh, um, right. Yeah, why yeah. didn't Yeah, it's like guys, why didn't you run back and put her out? She you go put her out. <laughs> Some friends. Yeah, go put your girlfriend out. That was a Susie Slater. Susie Slater was the one who got her head blown up. Yeah, with like the most powerful laser of all time. And then immediately after they uh they make that shot, they can't hit anything. They turn into Imperial Stormtroopers. Yes. They can't shoot nothing. One thing I thought was really funny about the robots was that they kept getting taken out and then they would learn how to not be defeated over and over again. Like they were fairly like, well, that was one thing I enjoyed about this was that they were not just, okay, we got rid of that robot. That robot is now down. Like they had to make sure these things were completely busted in order to make sure that they could not come back. Otherwise the robots would just reroute. And I thought that was a nice little touch that these were far more dangerous than you thought they were. Um, yeah. Even though they had their weird stormtrooper laser. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really like the sequence when it, it gets knocked over and it figures out is that close up shot where it really is just like a you know like a a a, a, a lamp and an erector set and a, and some tubing, but it figures out yes. how to get itself back <laughs> upright. I was like, oh, formidable, as the French say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other thing. These robots, you know, for ha- all of them having the same voice and having no facial features whatsoever do have some personality i mean there's not like you know they're not johnny five level personality but they do you kind of get a little vibe off of them they're snazzy yeah yeah there's there's the equivalent of like an eye roll almost when it like looks over at its at its buddy mm-hmm. like can you fucking believe these guys yeah teenagers huh yeah. right back to the grind <laughs> they have their little snarky like have a nice day after mm-hmm. they kill somebody yeah, like it freaking love that and fun fact the voice of the robots are actually the director the director did the voice for all those robots yeah that's the director's voice that they put through they put a little synthesizer voice underneath it but that's him doing all the voices yeah or when they kill the guy who was looking at the porno mag they're sneaking up the claw and then like oh he's looking all right open the day right right you haven't broken the horror trope yet no 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 oh i see titties you did um yeah terrible it's terrible and i think that i think out of all the deaths, though, if you have to give the one that is the most ridiculous, even though the robots don't know that he just had sex, is the boyfriend, Susie Slater's boyfriend, the one whose head explodes. Yes. When she sends him out to the cigarette machine, he was going to get cigarettes from a vending machine. And that robot was, like, smoking his bat for you. And, I mean, like, yes. if you want to talk about, like, yeah. morality clause built into your movie, right? Like, literally, the guy's just getting cigarettes. So this robot not only just kills him, but then frames the body in such a way where if somebody comes to check on him he's just waiting behind the door it's like do it do it do it like these are sadistic little robots like <laughs> which i yeah, love yeah they, they got an they axe were, to grind they were brought to existence and they did not like it and i do have one question about that actor because i thought he was fun he, he chewing the gum i mean he you figured the guy he figured okay this is my character too this is my hook but that <laughs> chin is that you got to tell me is that his real chin or was that a that, that is like nearly Bruce Campbell level of chin on that chin. guy. That's, that's that 80s that's that 80s breeding. They found that guy. He was probably like working at a at a at a Circle K and they were like, "Hey, chin." 
you want to be in a movie. You, you could be a star, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to like the the acting in this movie was obviously not great, and I, I don't right. think any I don't think anyone can deliver a line like I guess I'm not used to being chased around in the middle of the night by killer robots successfully. Right, um, but. I did feel it fit the yeah, movie. It was it was just fine. I love the the scene with the where the 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 really really grumpy janet janitor yes. is being made fun of by the other two janitors for doing his job right. for some reason. Yeah. They're like, ha, 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 "You've got a body." He's like, "Dude, I we're all mopping." You like, sucker. Why? <laughs> like, and then and then he died. Poor the I I didn't like seeing that that janitor go. Like, well, what did he ever do? That was kind of Dick Miller's role in the 80s. You hired him to get off by something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that Dick Miller, uh, apparently, because this was a Corman flick, or at least, you know, Corman adjacent, um, he is, I think, Corman's number one recurring actor in all of the movies. Um, I can believe it. So, yeah, like Dick Miller um, basically just lived on a steady income of, you know, Roger Corman and Corman Productions uh, films. Uh, so you, you knew that you were probably looking at least some kind of Corman joint if you're, you know, watching something from the seventies or the early eighties and Dick Miller showed up. Um, but I love the fact that Dick Miller then became just like this icon that transcended Corman. Um, not to say that Corman's not somebody that you want to be associated with, but you know, you, you want your actors to get more opportunities. Well, he was one of those character actors of the eighties. Like, yeah, like you said, he showed up in all these cheesy horror movies. Mm -hmm. And at least when you saw him, it was like, Oh God, at least there's someone who can act in this movie. He's only right. in it for like five minutes, but at least he's got a performance. I always think about this. Whenever there's a movie about a thing, like a movie about skateboarding or a movie about break dancing or a movie like eight mile about battle rapping, you just wanted to get to the battle rapping. The rest of it, I mean, you know, the, 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 those movies are of different qualities, but really what you're there for is mm -hmm. the battle rap or the breakdancing or the skateboarding. And with Chopping Mall, you're there for the fucking killer robots, man. And anytime those killer robots are on screen, there's going to be a sort of sort of air in the <laughs> in the conversation, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, well, it's the trope. I'm just here for Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you were watching a Godzilla movie and we're like the 20, 30 minutes of setup with no Godzilla is like, would you just get on with it's it? It's true. Yeah, man, you know, show me, show me the show me the shark, baby. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I've said this. You could make a three hour and 20 minute movie for me that was three hours and 27 minutes of godzilla stomping on stuff and i would still say not enough godzilla <laughs> we need more godzilla in the monitors yeah <laughs> i mean it's true i mean yes. when you look at something like that if you're promising a premise deliver on that premise you know which is why godzilla what was it 2017 or whatever one it was it was like mm -hmm. i didn't want to watch freaking you know walter white you know, featuring Godzilla. I wanted to watch Godzilla, which is well, why no, we that's, did. That's the other reason I was frustrating is I did want Walter White versus Godzilla, and they took away both of them. <laughs> right. But no, but then they did Godzilla versus Kong. Oh. And you got Godzilla versus Kong. And I'm like, all right, there we go. Um, yes. And Chopping Mall, I, I think Chopping Mall's first cardinal sin was we're going to give you a movie about somebody chopping up people in a mall. And they didn't give that right. to you. And then they said, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of robots. And then they didn't give you a bunch of robots um so they kind of screwed you over twice when it came to the concept of the movie like they did but they took their sweet ass time about getting there. yeah <laughs> at a certain point you start getting a little pissed off about them you know like come on man like give me the damn robots so more robots yeah more <laughs> robots you're not gonna make me mad with more robots every time the robots did something i was delighted 
And honestly, there there is like the uh, like the sex party in the furniture store is yes. ridiculous and eighties enough at this point that I was I was entertained through the whole thing. Dude pops his collar in the bathroom. It sure does. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of like post post coital talk about whatever nonsense is going on. I love the weird exposition heavy conversation with the couple in the truck. God, they <laughs> sold that couple to they us, did. didn't they? And then they sent them right down the river. I was like, oh, you're our leads. Oh, she can fix things. Obviously, she's going to fix or break the robot. Nope. Oh, by the way, those are two more people that got killed. So Chopping Mall had a lot of dead people, actually. When you start really thinking about it, there are yeah. a lot more dead people in Chopping Mall than when... Yeah, uh, at least a baker's yeah. dozen, right? More than in Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and talking about the the fun moments, like again that the character, the only part of character moments that really worked for me was the, like you said, Kevin, the post post coital. I couldn't talk there for a second, where mm-hmm. she's like, "Go get me the cigarettes." That's actually a fun little exchange between the two of them. I thought that was a delightful little moment, and then of course she flashed him, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, and then he dies because the rules are very clear that you you, you have to die now. So is this movie, like, how do horror fans today, like, view this movie, or if they view it at all? Like, is this considered sort of a a curio? Is it considered an overlooked classic? Is it considered, like, a footnote? Garrett, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I think if you're, it's going to depend on what flavor of horror fan you are. Um, if you are a fan of 80s horror, you know this movie, and you probably enjoy it. Because, like I said, it gives you all the tropes. The parts that are good are really good. It's got the good kills. It's got your Dick Miller moment. So it's it's probably, you know, it's it's a fun little filler. Um, you know, it's no, uh, like I said, it's no sleepaway camp or anything. But if, if you're a fan of that kind of kitschy 80s vibe where a lot of teenagers die, you know about it. It's fair. Um, I know that for me, one of the big things that I always come back to a chopping mall or any horror movie really is that horror as its own genre has so many subgenres to it. Do I want horror that is going to scare me? Do I want horror that's going to just be fun? Am I going to want to watch something that's going to make me laugh? Am I going to want to watch something that makes me squirm? You know, I mean, th- there's almost as many subgenres to horror as there are to, you know, just regular dramas, you know? I mean, that's kind of the fun part, which is sometimes the 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 other genre can overtake the 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 horror aspect of it. And when I look at something like Chopping Mall, Chopping Mall is I don't know if it was intentionally funny, but it is a extremely entertaining, fun movie that you pop in, you watch with your buddies, you go boobies um, and you just laugh for a good, you know, 75 minutes um, because you're watching a bunch of Johnny Five robots just go around and beat the crap out of people and 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 kill them in just really weird ways. Um, and there is nothing serious to be taken in this entire film. Um, and I love that. And I think that most yeah. horror fans who get that aesthetic also enjoy it um i think the snobs the ones who are like Mm -hmm. horror movies can only be hereditary or they can only be uh yeah or or they can only be you know something like this they can only be art 
Um, those are the jerks that make it kind of less fun for everybody else. And if you're one of those and you're listening to this, yes, I called you a jerk for being a snob about it. Pull the stick out of your ass and enjoy Chopping Mall, okay? Like, it's, <laughs> like you can have fun while watching a horror movie. It doesn't have to be high art. How high is that wall around your heart? <laughs> Seriously. Well, like, I mean, honest to God, Chopping Mall is a movie that critics would go, this is garbage and nobody should ever watch it. But if you look at something like, and again, I'll use Hereditary because Hereditary is kind of like a modern one where everybody loves it. Um, critics love that film. And horror fans love that film. But you know what? You don't have to, like, be a critic to enjoy silly horror movies and i think sometimes we get lost because of that yeah and that can tie me off to one of my other rants about the the critics love hereditary but they will also do everything in their power to say it's not a horror right. movie it's a psychological it's an art film it just happens to be scary and like those are the ones that really yeah. annoy me it's like no it's a friggin' horror movie and chopping mall is technically a horror movie but it's not scary there are a few moments that might be mildly tense, but it is not a horror film in like the level of a Jason or or Hereditary or something. Well, I could imagine if it was if it was Chopping Mall that I saw on a Saturday afternoon when I was nine or ten years old, I might have been way more into the horror genre. But uh, yeah, I, I got I got baptized with, the, <laughs> with one of the big ones, and it just it just just did not sit well with me at all. All right, well, Sean and Gary, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Shopping Mall. So tell us uh, tell us again where we can find you, Sean. You first. Sure, um, you can find me on social media at Numa Z. That is going to be P N E U M A Z. Uh, if you're interested in uh, checking out some artwork uh, that I have been working on, uh, you can actually go to uh, my store that my wife and I run together. Uh, that'll be Pop Cycle Bobbles. That'll be popcycle.etsy.com. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash popcycle. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, and I will put links to that on the website. Please do. This page. Gary, tell us more about Podcast of Amontillado. A Podcast of Amontillado is a horror podcast dedicated to the dark, dreadful, and terrifying parts of the world. Uh, every other Tuesday, my co-host Aaron McGorn and I bring in a different guest, and we talk about a different topic, and then at the end of the episode, we put them in a nice, cozy, safe location. Um, uh, we have talked about everything from music and horror to uh, the George Romero Night of the Living Dead to uh vampires how gay are they so very gay um so yes you can find us at a podcast of amontillado uh wherever you find your podcasts uh, you can also find me every other thursday sometimes with kevin on youtube with the american sci-fi classics track where we do live panels of all kinds of geeky stuff awesome and i will say about uh gary's podcast that I like I said earlier, I, I don't really classify myself as a horror guy, but I do enjoy the podcast because they're covering stuff that I don't necessarily know that much about. So I get to learn things, mm -hmm. which is I like learning too. Or I get to learn things, or I get to hear Sean tell the most insane fucking story about watching Night of the Living yes. Dead that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime.
Have a nice day. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we should all do Have that. All nice the robot, the robot voice. <laughs> right. No, no, it's thank, thank you. you. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. <laughs> there you go. Bye, guys. <laughs>